0: dia, Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 130. Thanks for coming back. We've got a lot going on with the second week of the first and second division football We've got uh, great news this week with Gil Vicente and Benfica advancing to the playoff. Only one Portuguese club, Vitoria Guimarães, did not make it, but we got two still in the uh, hunt. A lot of news about transfer reports. Did you hear about the Tasa de Portugal trophy on sale? And I'm actually thinking about bidding for it. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Ugly situations with fan abuse in Portugal, the Liga. As well as other entities in Portugal are doing a social media blackout this weekend. RTPI International, what's going on with that one match per week for fans internationally? I'll talk about that in a minute. Got a few updates, and then also talk a little bit about uh, my weekly. Every week, I'm going to give you two to three young players to watch. And again, the two or three play- the two players that I picked this week both were very pivotable, pivotal. Pivotal. To their uh, clubs winning their first match of the uh, season. Uh, And then, of course, we had the uh, Big Three report. And uh, what happened with uh, Bruno Laj and Jesse Marsh last week on the uh, touchline? I'll talk about that a little bit as well as uh, what's going on with Orta at uh, Braga. But uh, here we are about to begin the second week of the season in August, and I hope this podcast comes to you well. A quick review of last week, obviously great news by Benfica, winning 7-2 on aggregate against their Danish opponent. And now Benfica will be taking on Dynamo Kiev, uh, the team they played last year in the Champions League groups, if uh, you remember. And uh, But this is a group that's already eliminated JJ's Fenerbahce. They uh, had a tough time against Austria-Vienna in the past, uh, the third preliminary round, but they managed to uh, get through winning uh, on aggregate, including that second leg in Vienna. And now, of course, you've got Dynamo Kiev, and I'll do a preview about that coming up in here in a few minutes because there's a few things you should know about Dynamo. And uh, so, but Benfica got their hands full uh, next week, Wednesday again, very quick turnaround first leg in uh, Befica versus Dynamo uh, Kiev, first leg in Poland. Of course, they're playing at a a neutral site with everything going on between the war between Ukraine and uh, Russia. Uh, Great news this week with Gilles Vicente with a convincing 4-0 win at home in Barcelos in front of a great Minou crowd. Uh, First ever, uh, basically, tie that they've ever won in Europe. Not to mention the fact that they continue to keep their hopes alive. But they're going to have a very tough draw now coming up with the uh, first leg in uh, Holland next uh, Thursday. So again, like Benfica, quick turnaround. And Gil uh, Vicente will be playing AZ Aukmar from Holland, which just beat up on Dundee United of Scotland, winning the second leg 7-0 for a 7-1 aggregate. So Gil Vicente has their uh, hands full, uh, playing against a very, very strong team from uh, Holland. Uh, unfortunately, Vitoria Guimarães, we really can't say anything. Um, they started off well. You know, they lost the first leg in split, 3-1, to one, came home, scored right away in the fourth minute, and you thought there was uh, some hope. Uh, but unfortunately, it uh, stayed that way, and uh, Hadjic split uh, advance. Uh, had uh, Guimarães advanced, they would have played Villarreal, which is, of course, a very tough opponent as well. If you know about the European history, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they're playing in the Europa Conference League. But a very disappointing result for Vitoria. And by the way, not only was it disappointing that they were eliminated, but if you saw the uh, video, some uh, very um, ugly scenes around Kimberange <clears throat> with the Hodge-thex, Hodge uh, with the split supporters and there's a report that perhaps one of the other supporter groups in Portugal. The report in the media they name is uh, the No Name Boys from Benfica might have been involved. Uh, there was some things going on between the teams. I, I don't know, but it's just all very ugly. That a quiet night at the city center in Guimarães, where there's a lot of immigrants, a lot of tourists visiting. It's a very nice area there. Uh, has to unfortunately deal with uh, these very ugly incidences that were seen on uh, social media. But that's it for Guy Menage. They are eliminated. It's really all about domestic competition for them. But Gil Vicente and Benfica do advance, and obviously they'll get going with the uh, playoffs uh, next week. And let's look ahead now to previewing week two. The second of 34 Liga matches between here and uh, next May. And for the first division, everything gets off with what I think, in my opinion, is the best. One of two very good matches this weekend in the uh, Liga B1. First off on Friday, Fama is hosting Braga. Braga coming off a very impressive 3-3 draw at home against Sporting last week. Familia Kong playing at home. Always been a very decent team. In the league, not necessarily last year. Obviously, they had to avoid relegation and everything like that. And, uh, you know, Familia Kong as well lost their first match away this last weekend at Estoril. But I think at the end of the day, this is a Familia Kong team that, that, you know, avoided relegation last year in terms of playing well down the stretch to uh, not get relegated and, and to manage to stay high enough and to avoid, you know, those last two, three weeks of the season playing for their lives. But I still think Fama Braga is a very good match. And that gets going on Friday, Saturday. Um, you basically have uh, two matches. Uh, you've got uh, Casapia Pia hosting Benfica. That's a match that will be taking place in Leiria. So they're gonna to have to make that trip, and uh, you know, for Casapia, it's an opportunity to play in a big stadium. You know, they're gonna get a big crowd with all the Benfica fans. Um, so there's a chance for this small club, first time in over eighty years in the first division, to really make a good uh, gate uh, tickets, make some really good money. Benfica, though, obviously the advantage. Benfica's playing really well. Uh, Enzo Fernandez, uh, Gonzalo Ramos, everybody's been clicking and I'll talk about that more in my preview with Dynamo Kiev coming up here in a few minutes, but Benfica, the advantage not to mention the fact that Benfica gets to play in a bigger stadium and those players are used to playing in a bigger stadium compared to Casa Pia, which I think last year the biggest stadium they played in Casa Pia, I think and we're talking about stadiums with you know capacity of 25,000 or more, was when they would go play at Academica in Quimbra, uh, I don't think any other stadium last year in the second division that was anything bigger than maybe seven or eight thousand. Uh, but I say that because that is an advantage for Benfica in that environment, the way they are playing. Obviously, Benfica may choose to rest a few players, getting ready to play, you know, the Champions League first leg on uh, Wednesday. But uh, Casemiro, nevertheless, will uh, get the chance to try to play spoiler. And by the way, there were some reports that because Casemiro was playing Benfica in a big stadium, that the regulations said that, well, that means when they play Porto and sporting, that they would have to as well play them in one of these big stadiums. But apparently that is not the case for media. Media looked into it, and that is not the case. And they really do it because of fairness uh, to the teams that if befica has got to play in a big stadium with Cazepilla, that the other team should be playing as well in that stadium and not necessarily playing in Casapia's home stadium, which is right now going through uh, construction, so it's fair to put them to play in the same situation as the other uh, big three teams. But apparently that's been uh, discarded. That's not in the regulations. Last I read, and as a result, Gazepia will be hosting Benfica. And again, a very big gate they'll get. Um, but again, this should be all Benfica. And then also on Saturday night, Sporting will be at home to Rio Ave. Rio Ave lost last week. Sporting, of course, with a 3-3 draw. And again, I think last week was a better result for Braga because they took points away from Sporting. But again, Sporting, only one point, and you're probably thinking, "Ah, that's not a big deal, but you know what? Now they are already two points behind Porto and Benfica, so it is already a big deal. And, you know, uh, Sporting is going to look to come at home, play in front of the big crowd, and play against the Rio Ave team that, again, although they are first division after being second division last year, are not, in my opinion, as strong as they were a few years ago when they qualified to play in the uh, Europa, uh, if you recall that a few years ago. And then Sunday... Uh, three matches on uh, deck. You've got Boa Vista, Santa Clara. You've got Vizela hosting Porto. And then you've got Vitoria de Guimaraes hosting Estoril. Uh, then, of course, on Monday, uh, you've got three matches on Monday. Usually you don't see that. But uh, part of that, uh, well, actually, you don't really see that a lot. Gil Vicente is playing on Monday. But uh, you've got uh, Meritimo playing Chaves. You've got Oroca playing Gil Vicente coming off that great win. And then you've got Passus at home to Portimonence. Portimonense, uh, ugly 2-0 loss at home last week to Boavista. And again, in my opinion, the best match is Fama versus Braga. And I think you could also say, I also want to pay attention to this Meritimu-Shavs match, because Meritimu has been playing really well at home. They did that last year down the uh, stretch with their new manager. And uh, Shaves, of course, um, back in the first division, they always tend to be tough. So that's the other match that I'm kind of uh, thinking about this weekend that I think would be interesting, and we'll see. But again, Fama, Fama uh, Braga is, in my opinion, the best match this weekend, and that gets good going right away on Friday night. Second division uh, this weekend. By the way, an interesting thing this weekend, and some of you may not have heard about, but there's actually two matches in the second division this weekend being played in Seychelles, and it doesn't involve Benfica B. So apparently the Estrella-Madur... Uh, dance and obviously we're talking about the team from Melgarve, if you don't understand my pronunciation. And b FC Porto B matches. Okay. The Astro-Lamadur Fedance matches on uh, Saturday. Uh, b versus FC Porto B is on Sunday. Those matches are being played at the Benfica campus in Seychelles. Um, you know, those stadiums, uh, Jamur has their pitch being uh, replaced. astro I think, is doing some work with their stadium as well. Um, So as a result, um, they are playing these matches in Benfica. So I was surprised. I'm surprised we didn't hear Porto complaining about this, that they had to go play this match at Seychelles, to be honest with you. But interesting that uh, those two matches, Estruna La madura and b FC Porto B will be played at Benfica-Seychelles campus. Uh, To me, there's uh, well, first off, everything gets going in the second division with uh, Tundela playing Benfica B, and that's an 1800 uh, kickoff. Uh, and then I think the other good match this weekend is uh, bisat Porto. And the reason why I say those two matches are interesting is because you've got a pair of teams that were relegated, obviously Tundela and Bisat, and they're taking on the B teams of Benfica and Porto, where a number of those players eventually are going to be playing first-team football. So those are the two matches this weekend for me in the uh, second division that kind of stand out. And again, that all gets going on Friday with one match. Three matches on Saturday, three matches on Sunday, and then two matches on uh, Monday. And again, I'm surprised to see these many matches on uh, Monday in Portugal. I wonder if it's a holiday. I've got to look into that, but usually you don't see it that much. Um, topics here, uh, i got to start off first talking about the TASA de Portugal. And if you did not hear about it, Desportivo de Waves, which unfortunately has financial difficulties. I believe they went into bankruptcy and now some of their... Possessions are being auctioned off to raise money to pay uh, some debt they owe, as I understand it. But the Tasa de Portugal trophy, the actual Tasa de Portugal trophy in 2016, when Abj beat Sporting and Jordi Jesus to win the Tasa de Portugal, believe it or not, that is on, uh, that's being auctioned off. And last I heard as I'm recording this podcast, the latest bid was 1,361 euros. Uh, So if you want to buy an actual Portuguese trophy right now, the latest bid is uh, $1,300. Believe it or not, this is, I think it goes, this thing goes until, I believe it's October the 4th, as I understand it correctly. It's going until October the 4th, and I got to be honest with you, I was talking to somebody, and it's not like I've got a lot of money to spend, but I did talk about it with a few people, About the idea, especially one person I know that owns a restaurant that thinks it would be cool to put it into their uh, sports bar. But I actually believe it or not, I'm thinking about possibly doing this. Um, Again, I'll wait to see between here because, again, the auction doesn't end until early October. But I'm going to have a little bit of fun and I'm going to see about possibly buying this thing and getting together with a few people to do it because... Um, you got to figure it's gonna probably stay at this price, and then you know it. Within a few days left, people are start to bid it. But I'm gonna have some fun. I mean, the thought of actually buying something. I mean, it's kind of sad. If if I was a billionaire or a millionaire, I might buy it and give it back to Avsh. Um I'm not sure right now if they're where they're competing. If they're in the third division or if they're in the uh, districts, but or probably just give it to the local city council. But uh, if I was a billionaire, that is. But uh, I guess I'll tell you, man, I'm going to I'm gonna be paying attention to this, and if it doesn't get crazy, I'm going to actually consider it because, um, hey, there. you know, people say all the time, think about how many times you buy a newspaper and you don't read it all. Think about how many times you buy food and you don't eat it all. Think about how times you buy something and sometimes you don't wear it or you don't wear it that much. There's so much money that we spend in our lives that we don't know about it. But you know what? spend a little bit of money on this why not I'm, I'm gonna have a little bit of fun with it so we'll see uh another big news last week was the fan abuse um league portugal the obviously the league office the players union and as well as the managers association union have basically announced that starting friday at 6 p.m when this the day when this episode drops i'm recording it early friday morning but later today on friday Uh, Up until Monday night at 1030, they are going to go on what they call a social media blackout, which means that none of their websites are going to be broadcasting anything of uh, Portugal. And, uh, you know, in other words, they're not doing any social media posts. They're not doing nothing. They're just going to go totally quiet. And they're doing this to bring attention to the fact that there is a lot of fan abuse of players in Portugal. Obviously, the situation that comes to mind that was reported was Ricardo Azgallo, who uh, you know came in late uh, that game against Braga. And... Uh, Basically, is being blamed for that third goal when uh, the young kid Alvaro Dejalo, just burned by him, and uh, you know how Bill Ruiz was able to tie the game and make it three-three. Uh, and uh, I'll talk, by the way, about Alvaro. He's one of my two young players that I'm going to talk about later in this podcast. But essentially, they are trying to put together some public attention to this, in the hopes that people will be a little bit smarter when they decide to abuse a player. Um there's a lot of reason why player people sometimes just go crazy with this one they probably lost money if they were gambling two they're just fans that are period just very angry but you know as guy was a human being he's a footballer not all footballers are perfect and i don't think that anything warrants abusing him so much so that he has to deactivate his social media accounts this is um a young man with a family um this is not something that uh people should take lightly and and, and, uh, you know last year at this time i believe it was the premier league and all the clubs they did a media blackout for a whole weekend i think it was in like early october of last year i remember it very well a lot of even some media in uh, england got in on it and didn't do any social media uh posting over the weekend to kind of show their unity in this uh, cause um but uh, I remember it happened and um, you don't really hear about it too much, but you know, there's still fan abuse. I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes in a study recently are among the top five players in England. that get abused the most on social media. So a very unfortunate situation. And again, I don't know what makes people think. And, and probably a lot of these are anonymous accounts that they can just say whatever they want. And uh, it's funny, Elon Musk, the great entrepreneur, SpaceX, you know about him. He actually wants to, well, he wanted to buy Twitter. And one of the things he wanted to do was to make sure that every single Twitter account was real with the real person. Believe it or not, I remember reading that. And now, of course, I guess he thinks that they're trying to figure out how many fake accounts Twitter has. And as a result, he backed out of his deal and now Twitter's suing him. And it's gonna be this whole big thing in October when they go to court here in the United States. It's gonna be very ugly. But he wanted to put a person behind every Twitter account so that if you had a fake account, or if an account was a bot, that you would get rid of it. Uh, Unfortunately, that's not a reality that I think is very possible, although I would like to think Twitter should know which accounts are bots. But at the end of the day, a very unfortunate situation, and it's too bad that social media companies don't do more to make sure this doesn't happen. And again, you don't know someone's going to post until they post. And I don't know when you're talking about thousands upon thousands of comments, if that, whenever that does happen, uh, I don't know, if you know how you exactly police that. But it's just very unfortunate that uh, players uh, have to be subjected uh, to this. And uh, I just think for me, it's something that they have to uh, look into. And right now, the best way to handle it is these public. Unities, which is, you know, the Liga Portugal, the managers and the player association getting together. And as I'm recording this on Friday morning, I'm not sure who else is getting involved. I haven't heard about any clubs doing this. Uh, If they do, maybe I'll do an update and I'll add it to the beginning of this podcast. When I tend to do after I record a podcast and then something happens and I want to get it in. So I've got to put it in the beginning. But a uh, very unfortunate situation and that's why the Liga Portugal this weekend will be going dark. Uh, another thing is RTP International. Um, no, they did not show any matches last weekend, the first time in many, many years. Apparently RTP International or RTP, their parent company, and Sport TV did not come to a deal. Record said that uh, there was no deal and then Ojogo a few days later said that apparently there are talks between RTP and Sport TV to try to see if they could come to a financial deal that would allow people with RTP International, which is what? It's a channel for the Portuguese immigrants outside of Portugal to watch one match per week, which obviously always tends to be most of the time one of the big three teams. Occasionally, every once in a while, you'll get a match with uh, Braga. But basically... That is the story as of Friday morning and whether or not we'll see any matches on RTP. And let me say something about Sport TV. They get, in their own way, abused online too. A lot of people think they're expensive. Um, they've been very strict with their videos, not a lot, you know, going after people on social media. Um, and that's you know, what they do. But the thing also people have to understand is the amount of money that they spent to buy rights, and we're not just talking about paying the clubs for these matches. We're talking about, I think they also show other leagues in Europe. They show the NBA. They even show sometimes all the big tennis matches. They're showing a lot of sports, including MMA, I believe. So this is a company that's spending millions upon millions of dollars for TV rights. You have to understand that. And at the same time, they're trying to basically make money off of it because if they don't make money off of it, how can they basically spend more money to continue to show all these things? Uh, Not to mention, remember, the Portuguese clubs, this is where they get their big TV money. So if Sport TV has issues, that's gonna affect Portuguese clubs and all the money they make on TV from Sport TV. So a very interesting, and the only team, by the way, doesn't have to worry about that is Benfica because they broadcast their home games on BTV. But RTP and Sport TV right now don't have an agreement. Um, I know some people in Portugal that don't understand why they can't get one match a week in Portugal too. Um, on one of their stations without having to pay the thing. And um, my understand, first of all, they haven't done any Liga matches in Portugal. And we're talking about Liga B win here. We're not talking about Tassa de Portugal, Tasa de Liga, or the European competitions. But basically, in Portugal, they don't show any matches. They haven't done it in many, many years, at least one or two matches a week on your local free TV that you don't need to pay for, like, RTP 1, 2, or 3, Seek, TVI. They do offer the opportunity, but none of those channels want to spend money to do it. Um, So a lot of people in Portugal are like, well, if we have to pay for it, um, why, you know, and all this money for Sport TV, then why shouldn't people abroad have to do the same? The difference is you're talking about one match. You're not talking about the seven or eight Liga B1 matches per week. And by the way, people do pay for RTP International abroad. Uh, I know I pay for it on my cable system, so they are paying for it. Not as much as people in Portugal with Sport TV, of course, but they are nevertheless paying for it. And remember, they're only getting one match. They, they don't have the ability to uh, watch them all. But RTP, again, And I know a lot of people that don't wonder why I talk about this, and I do because there's a lot of people, I like to say a lot of people over 40, a lot of people who rely on that to watch their one match per week. Um, We get Gold TV, so for me it's not a problem, but I know there's a lot of places that don't get uh, the Portuguese games, and people do rely on watching this at least one game a week on RTP International, especially the older audience which like I know my parents, uh, my godparents, my uncles, they are fixated on Portuguese every time I go to their house, always on RTP 24 hours a day because that's the purpose of RTP International. It's for the immigrants abroad. Uh, Quick transfer report before we finish part one. Uh, First off, Gonzalo Guedes makes the move from Valencia to Wolves, so another Portuguese player in Wolves. Uh, Gonzalo, by the way, maybe needs to have somebody teach him about social media or whoever does it for him. There was a lot of criticism because he said goodbye to Valencia fans, and remember, he was there for five years. And basically, he wrote a very short one sentence saying, what a great five years or something like that. And let's just say the Valencia fans were not happy that that's all they get um, after he played for them for five years and they were big fans of his. So uh, that was interesting. That's a different type of, I guess, social media problem. But Gonzalo Guedes is going to be playing for Bruno Laj and joining all the Portuguese players at Wolves. So another Wolves Portuguese player. Ricardo Huerta, last week we saw the video. A lot of people thought it was him saying goodbye after the Braga sporting match. Well... He's still playing with Braga as of this broadcast being recorded. And he's been called up for the match this weekend. So I think he may be playing later tonight against uh, Fama if nothing changes. And basically the president, uh, Antonio Salvador, was asked and said there's still no deal. So interesting situation. I still think Orta's going to go to Benfica. I have no doubt about it. I think by the time it gets down to the last week of the transfer window, something will happen. But not yet so far. And uh, I've had some people DM me. Nothing yet. But I do think eventually it will happen. Uh, Cristiano, not a lot to talk about. Actually, of all these past weeks, it's been the quietest week for Cristiano Ronaldo. But again, he is still with Manchester United. But again, I think as we get closer to the end of the transfer window, I think be very curious to see because he's going to be back in the news again. Uh, we also saw Bernardo Silva is being linked with Barcelona. Rafael Guerrero is also being linked with Man City. So two big-time Portuguese Seleção players being linked uh, with two major clubs. Giovanni Cabral has been in the news with uh, Burnley being linked. Burnley came back and even offered more money, salary to him. Uh, I don't understand why Giovanni Cabral isn't making this move because, number one, um, you know they're playing in England. It's a big club. He's going to make some decent money. Um, why not? Uh, why not make the move? Because at this point so far, remember, he didn't play a lot for Lazio, last year. Let's not forget, he didn't play a lot for Lazio last year. I think this is a good opportunity for him. He goes to he scores maybe 10-15 goals if he could do that, and maybe there's a big opportunity after that. But uh, Giovanni Cabral, still with Sporting and still hasn't uh, moved on, but uh, Burnley apparently are the club that are being, uh, being linked uh, with him. Uh, two quick things before I end this. Number one, Fabio Quintrón, who's retired. He works in the fishing industry. His family has a business. Uh, got a one-match suspension for something he did with uh, Rio Ave. And for whatever reason, uh, 494 days later, they punish him. Now, obviously, he's retired. You know, he's. I guess he's got to pay the fine. Or I guess if he decides to come back to football in uh director role, or maybe one day become a manager somewhere, I guess then he'll have to pay the fine, which was 850 euros and serve the one match suspension, maybe that's why they did it, but again again, 494 days later from when he committed whatever f- of action he did that got him suspended, I don't know, I, I, if I say that and people in Portugal that do these decisions don't see any folly in that, then I don't know what to tell you 494 days later. I don't get it. And last thing, Pedro Perenza, the Liga president, is trying to uh, do some decisions to try to improve uh, people going to the games in Portugal. He has said that next year he wants to try to get the uh, ticket limit, the most you can pay for a Portuguese Liga ticket, to be only 37.5 uh, euros uh, the goal of this would be, of course, to make uh, tickets uh, less expensive, and if they're less expensive, bring more fans to the stadium. Uh Here in the United States and in England, tickets are very expensive for a lot of things. And sometimes when I see advertisements for 10 euros, um, boy, I wish I can go to a baseball game or an NBA game or even an MLS game, believe it or not, for 10, 11, 12 dollars. It's just just doesn't happen unless you're talking about going to a college game, which is, you know, a much lower level. But uh, in Portugal, the tickets, a lot of people feel they're already. But remember, we're talking about a different economic system. It's not fair to bring what people make abroad and comparing it to Portugal. But a very good idea by Pedro Porensa trying to do everything he can to help bring down the uh, ticket prices. And we'll see if the clubs go for it. But, you know, if you're a big three, a clássico, a big derby, uh, that's a lot of money lost if the ticket... Uh, ceiling is only 37.5 euros, where sometimes you're charging 60, 70 euros. That's a lot of low-loss money for the clubs, which is why I don't think it's going to pass, or at least the big three won't let it pass. But that's just my opinion on that. End of part one. Welcome back, everybody, to part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast, episode 130. A lot of information I just gave you in that first half, and I'm going to wrap it up here with some information here in part two. Uh, first off, uh, let me just say a reminder, if you're listening to this for the first time, please give us a follow at uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor FM, TuneIn, uh, it's available on all the uh, major platforms. And again, I'm just so proud of the numbers, especially these uh, last few months. And they've just been so strong. And I want to thank all of you that have responded to me with your comments. I've got a, a viewer com uh, listener comment that I'm going to say toward the end here. And I just want to say thank you so much. You have no idea. Every week I look forward to doing this. It, it's such a big deal for me. And I'm really glad that I have as many listeners as I do. So thank you for your uh, support. But let's get going. Uh, every week I'm going to pick out two players to watch out for in the Liga Portugal. Um, I've already pointed out some players for you last week. Andre Franco went from Estoril to Porto. Uh, last week I also pointed out Rodrigo Gomes, another big pro- Barga prospect who scores that uh, scored that nice goal. In the last preseason match, he's been uh, getting some nice attention at Braga. Week before, I highlighted Andre Almeida of Vitoria Guimarães and his partner, Jota Silva. Two very good players at Vitoria de Guimarães. And then also, of course, a player that a lot of people know about. And, of course, that's Henrico Raju of Benfica, who's expected to have a big role this season with Roger Schmidt's uh, team. This week, the two players that I want to concentrate on, first from Porto, uh, basically... The uh, winger right back, uh, mostly right back, and that's uh, João Mario. Uh, born in the Porto suburbs of Saint-Jean the Medeira. Uh, began playing for his hometown team, Saint-Jean-Nance. That's the same team that if you remember a few episodes ago, I was telling you that David Carmo, that Saint-Jean-Nance, owned 10% of David Carmo's rights. Braga owned another 90%. And you know, Saint-Jean-Nance was holding out. To get like something like a million dollars or six hundred thousand or something like that, Um, and obviously they got I think they got exactly that ten percent of that uh, that uh, Braga paid them, and then of course Braga had the one hundred percent to sell to uh, Porto. But this is the same team, and this is the team where Joao Mario came from. Obviously, uh, thirteen caps with the under twenty ones. He scored one goal. Um, This is a kid who, when he was first thrust into the lineup by Conceicao. Um, even though he tends to play on that uh, right side. There was a lot, you know, obviously, you know, in Porto there's always been worried about the left side. But this kid has really done a fantastic job. There's talk about him being a future national team player, and he's no doubt, you know, you didn't hear a lot about him this summer. He's not being rumored with any clubs in Europe or anything like that. But this is a fantastic young talent that is not getting his attention that he deserves with Porto, but it's no doubt definitely, in my opinion, one of the rising stars. So that's why I mentioned him. And de Jolo. This is the kid last week that assisted Abel Ruiz's goal. He was the one that uh, sort of, uh, I guess, blew past or uh, gave Escaio a hard time guarding him that enabled... Uh, this kid uh, Alvaro Dejalo to make the pass and then obviously eventually Abel Ruiz uh, from what I remember scored uh, the goal but this is a kid he's Spanish from Spain um, he's from Spain and uh, he played on um, Braga's B team for a while he's already got that one assist this year for, like I mentioned to you and he is fast he is a very very fast he's an attack left winger and let me tell you this is what Braga has to do they're trying to follow the formula of the big three of young players, get these kids to be very special, and then be ready to sell them like they did with a trincón, like what they're going to try to do with Ricardo Huerta. That's what Braga is trying to do, because that's the only way they're going to become a bigger club than they are. Beautiful city, Braga. It's already a big city, but the club wants to be even bigger. And uh, obviously we remember them. I remember when they played in the Europa final against El Porto. And let's think about that for a minute. Braga played in the Europa final. This is a club that has the potential to do thing, good things, and those are the two. So that's my picks this week. Two young players to watch out for. I think I've done a pretty good job so far where in one way or another, all these young players have made a big difference with their clubs. And this week, João Mario of Porto and Alvaro Deciolo. Uh we'll Look at the goal, that the, the uh, third Braga goal against Sporting, and you'll see what I'm talking about, the the speed that this uh, kid has. Uh, Bruno Lige obviously the manager of Wolves, and he had a bit of a run-in after the match with uh, Jesse Marsh, of course, American coach. We, a lot of people remember him when he was the manager of Red Bull New York. He obviously, when he took over manager of Red Bull New York, he replaced a very popular Mike Pecky, one of the great players for the Metro Stars and in New York Red Bulls history. Great guy, by the way. And Jesse Marsh now, of course, is now managing in England, and him and Lige this weekend after the, you know going against each other in the EPL match. They had a bit of shouting and these are the explanations by Bruno Lajah. what happened well let me hear what he said here you go but th- th- there was a point in the first half that I heard something that I didn't like I said to him and after when you come in the end and, and say apologize I just said you cannot say there's some things in my opinion that you cannot say I just said that and after I don't listen it's normal in some ways so I, I, I respect Bruno a lot he does a great job with his team so no problem. Nothing to, to, to be talked about it, just to give my opinion about that and what I said, because I think we have a good image about that. I said like this, there's some things that we, in my opinion, we cannot say and, and to move on. That was Bruno Laj commenting. I also saw a brief remark about Jesse Marsh throwing some respect back at Bruno Laje, which I thought was nice. But Apparently, Bruno Lage didn't like something that was said and um, just had a different way of reacting. And, you know, sometimes when you listen to him, obviously he's still working on his English, although we understood him. You know, there was still a little bit of lack of clarity. But obviously something was said that he was not very happy about. And uh, Bruno Lage, uh, he's always been, I think, a guy that's... uh, He's always been tough. And, um, you you know, I remember him... I always remember him at Benfica when he first got the job. And someone asked him how much money he was gonna make and, you know, yeah, because I think at the time he was making it, he was with the B team and then he got promoted and he was making a B team manager salary. And I remember him at the press conference going back at the reporter like, well, what do you make? What are you asking me how much I make? Well, what do you make? So Bruno Lage has never one to back down and I think that's another uh, example. Uh, let's go with the big three report. Let's start off with Benfica. Uh, Dynamo Kiev, the only official matches that they have played have been in these Champions League, the second preliminary round, the third preliminary round, and are now playing Benfica in the playoff. But they're dangerous. One, they knocked off JJ's team, Fenerbahce. They knocked off one of the better teams in Austria. A lot of people don't take Austrian soccer seriously, but Austria-Vienna does tend to be a very, very tough team. And now they're playing Benfica. And Benfica, by the way, has been, let's be honest with you, they've been brilliant. Enzo Fernandez has scored in every official match so far. Uh, Gonzalo Ramos has been awesome. Enrico Raju. Uh, I know David nearest when he plays, has been good. I know he, he was heard recently. But basically, everything about Benfica and Roger Schmidt has been working. And if you're a Benfica fan, even though we got a long way to go, let's not forget last year, you know, when uh, Benfica had JJ, you know, they got through the qualifiers in pretty good shape. And I recall they started the league okay. So this is still the very beginning. But you have to be admit that what you're seeing of some of these players, like an Enzo Fernandez, is going to make you exciting. And these, you know, and by the way, this is what Benfica has to do, like Porto and Sporting. They need these players they buy to be the stars, to basically attract all this attention on social media, which is what Enzo Fernandez is doing. And I'd say that right now, Benfica is in a very good position. But I don't think Dynamo Kiev. They've got a bunch of players that are hungry. You know, they're not playing. Domestic competition, unfortunately, for obvious reasons. So it's all about the Champions League. So they're going to be more rested compared to Benfica, which has got to play Saturday night in Laidia. Then you got to figure that they're probably going to travel Tuesday morning to Poland, where this neutral side match is going to take place. And Benfica's, you know, they're playing matches every three or four days. This is not necessarily the case with Dynamo. I, By the way, I say Dynamo Kiev. I've heard television say Kiev. So you know what I'm talking about. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. But I think to me, if Benfica goes there, worst-case scenario, they draw. Best-case scenario, they win. They're going to have this. They're going to win and they'll advance to the Champions League. But if they suffer a very disappointing result like 2, two nil, 3-1. to one, And by the way, Dynamo is capable of doing that. And all of a sudden, all the goodwill turns into frustration. That could be very dangerous for Roger Schmidt, who so far... It's been smooth sailing for the German manager. Smooth, smooth sailing. But now you're playing a team like Dynamo Kiev, which has got so much... I mean, could you imagine Dynamo Kiev playing in the Champions League and qualifying and doing everything they did to get to it? It's just a it's a fantastic story. It's just an absolutely fantastic story. But the question is, is will Benfica let it be a fantastic story? And that's going to be the big question uh, this weekend. Uh, also with uh, Benfica, obviously, Shalana... Uh, passed away early on uh, Wednesday morning. Uh, one of the greats of the game. I remember watching him play many years ago, back in the 80s. It was one of my first matches, if I recall correctly. I think he was on that World Cup squad in 1986. Uh, he, had, he moved on to play in France with Bordeaux, but he had a lot of injuries. But he was always a fantastic player during the great generation of the mid-80s. So, uh, rest in peace, a, a great name in Portuguese football. And I thought Abola had a great cover in uh, honoring him. Abola Abola's tends to be the Benfica newspaper. And I thought nothing else on the cover except a photo of him. I just thought that was very, very classy uh, for Abola to uh, do that. Um, FC Porto report, um, Andrade, Fernando Andrade, looks like he... Wants to stick around, but Conceison hasn't used them yet. I don't think he's even been called. He has opportunities to go to the Japan or Middle East. Uh, the big thing is David Carmo and Otavio are back this weekend after serving uh, suspensions. Carmo played last weekend, which surprised a lot of people with the big team. But that's all really about getting him ready, because next week, what do we have next week? We have Porto Sporting, and we all know what happened the last time these teams played back in uh, February or at the time in February in the Dragone, Um it is going to be a very big match. And as a result, Carmo, um, if they if he does play alongside Pep, it'll be the first time in like a decade that two Portuguese center backs for Porto are both Portuguese. Um, so that's a very big deal. So Carmo is being prepared and that's a big match. That's why they brought him over and spent all that money to pay Braga. Uh, A very big match uh, next week with uh, Sporting and uh, Porto. And obviously we have, you know, opportunity on my next episode to talk about a little bit more. But Carmo is basically being worked on to get back to be able to start next week. Sporting, uh, again, we spoke about Ricardo Esgaiu and what happened. I I saw some fans on social media say, you know, basically Esgaiu should have gone away on loan and not Ruben Vinagre, although I think they play different positions. But uh, basically, uh, very disappointing week for Sporting. Again, I think it's a better result for Braga than it is for Sporting, who pretty much loses two points, especially with the big three. There are two other rivals winning. Uh, but basically, it's, it's also disappointing because they had the lead, like the newspaper said, three times. And three times Braga came back to level. So, and by the way, if you're a Braga fan, you should be very happy about that. First time that happened, by the way, they gave up three leads in a game in something like 64 years. Uh, I'm always impressed how the Portuguese newspapers find this information. I think it's pretty good. And the other big thing this week is that Tabata was sold to Palmeiras. obviously old news. But that finally happened uh, this week. Uh, Braga, you know, Braga report again. I think, in my opinion, you have to be pumped. You have to be excited about what Braga did this weekend. A big, big result. And the question now is, how long are they going to keep Ricardo Huerta? And can these young players, like I talked about with the Rodrigo Gomes and Alvaro DiGiolo, Uh Braga has so many good players on their team, Abel Ruiz, uh, Banza. Uh, I mean, they just have a lot of good players on this team that are setting up. And the question is, is, can they compete for top three? Don't see them ever competing for the title. I don't see them competing for second place like they did. You know, 10, 11 years ago, but I definitely see third place as a possibility. I hope I'm wrong because I think it would be a lot of fun to see Braga finish higher. But Braga, man, if you're a Braga fan, I think you should be very excited about what you saw and what, you know, all the talents they have coming up. And if they sell, by the way, Ricardo Huerta and they get Gil Diaz, that's a pretty good move. Money plus Gil Diaz permanently, I think that's a very good move. And by the way, I think I'm making a guess here that the reason why it hasn't happened yet Arthur Benfica, I wonder if maybe Gil Diaz doesn't want to leave Benfica. I just remember Gil Diaz, you know, when he went to Benfica, that was a good signing, but I don't know. I, I just wonder, again, I, I I don't know anybody. Remember, who all, who always knows what's going on? The clubs, the players, and the agents. I don't know what's going on in this situation, but in my opinion, I wonder if that's the case if maybe Gil Diaz is not interested in uh, going, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Quick word out on player abroad, Paulinha, major performance last week for Fulham, uh, was on Alan Shearer's EPL Team of the Week. Uh, Basically, João Paulinha introduced himself to the Premier League in the best way possible, and obviously, when that happens, Portuguese players are coveted more. They're wanted by more English clubs, so João Paulinha certainly did his part this past weekend. And by the way, what a shrewd deal that looks like now by Fulham. If Joan Paulinho continues to do what he does, how smart is Fulham going to look at? Because they really need a player like Joan Paulinho to have the year that he uh, does. Um, Two last things here. I want to read a comment from a gentleman, one of my my listeners from Australia. Uh, Glenn Gomes, uh, hi, catching up on your podcast from down under, uh, parentheses, Australia. Uh, Opinion on JJ turning down Everton is he wants to win something. With Fenerbahce, good chance of league or cup or maybe respectable run in Europe. With Everton, maybe the best he can get is top 10, and Everton would be content with something higher than 15. Also, probably he didn't want to be outclassed by Klopp, Guardiola, and God forbid if Liger or Silva do a better job than him. Uh, This is Glenn responding a few episodes ago when I was talking about J.J. and why I think J.J. should have taken the Everton job. And uh, first of all, thank you so much, uh, Glenn. I got a lot of readers, but I wanted to point this out. This particular comment out, this particular email, this one I got via email to Glenn. And as I told Glenn is, you know, obviously we saw JJ. Uh, they were eliminated from the Champions League and dropped down to Europa. They uh, law, They drew they, they drew 3-3 in their Turkish season opener. And so things are off to a slow start with JJ. But to me... Again, I understand people's feelings about J.J., and people talk about him being old, but I don't think the guy acts like he's old. doesn't look like it for a guy what, in his upper 60s. He's a lot better than most people I know in their upper 60s. But the thing about J.J. is I think his opportunity should have been to Ghana after everything because it's a Premier League opportunity. He does anything. Uh, let's say he gets him into the top 10. I mean, that would have been a fantastic accomplishment. And who says he can't get him into 5th, 6th, or 7th place one year? I just think for me that was his best opportunity to go to a big club i I don't think he's ever going to be associated with another european giant so this would have been our opportunity to try to get that and everybody just like players want to play for the big clubs in europe managers are no different i'm just surprised again that jj didn't want to go after an opportunity managing and that's just my opinion but thank you glenn for responding a few weeks ago and again after the, uh, I think, rough start with JJ at uh, Fenerbahce, I think my words are coming true that he should have gone to Everton. I think that's a very big uh, mistake by him. Let me wrap up episode 130, doing like what I always do, talking about my favorite hometown team, Atletico dos Um Well, they don't start their season for another month. Uh, the lower league start later. But uh, the Tasa de Portugal draw did come out today, and they got a tough draw. Third division, Vila Verdense. That's the club from a beautiful... Uh, Vila Verde, which I think has some of the best wine in uh, Portugal. But uh, the district team, Portugal, playing a third division team. The district team, of course, being Atlético do which playing Vila Verdance, which I believe, I'm pretty sure, is in the third division. That is a very, very tough draw for my Athletico do Aracruz, and that's usually the first match of the season. So we'll see what happens, but that's the really the latest update. And By the way, I've been talking about Durients. I know Turienz lost their uh, season opener last week down in the Algarve to uh, Feydent. But I'll be paying attention to him because I've got a lot of family. A lot of them, by the way, I just saw. They just came to visit me and my family here in America. But Torriens, uh, basically, they're in action uh, this weekend. And they are playing against Nacional. And I believe Torriens is playing in Mafra. Yeah, they're they're still working on their stadium in Torres Vedras getting it up to standards for the second division. So they're going to be playing this weekend against Nacional and they'll be playing at Mafra. And hopefully I'll get a chance to see them uh, later this year. Anyway, folks, I've gone on long enough. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support. Again, you don't like anything I said. Let me know why. Why don't you like what I said? Uh, I would really appreciate hearing your comments. And as always, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. Um, And I will talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody. (音楽)